everybody to the conversation from St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian Cannon. I'm the Director of Evangelization and Adult Formation here for St. Patrick Catholic Community. I'm joined today by Paul Mulligan, the CEO of Catholic Charities Community Services, which has been active in Central and Northern Arizona all the way back since 1933 is when the mission began with uh, starting with vulnerable children and has just expanded since that time. As a matter of fact, they serve over 22,000 individuals every single year. So Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, great to be with you, with the people of St. Pat's. I know you guys are in deep with the social teachings of the church and, and what Jesus has asked his followers to do. So, so it's really inspirational to be with you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your background, how you came to uh, Catholic Charities. Did you always envision yourself doing this work when you were uh, graduating from kindergarten, they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you say CEO of Catholic Charities? <laughs> Great question. Well, for starters, I'm wearing a different pair of glasses. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, uh, all cool like a racquetball player or anything like that, but I sat on my glasses, my normal ones. So I oh, had okay. a progressive lens and I was shooting a company video and I didn't realize I put my glasses out. So you're pulling it off. You're pulling off the look. Bold look. I feel like a World War I, uh, uh, you know, pilot and some dogfight or something. Anyhow, uh, it is great to be with you. And um, as far as where this got started for me, I would say, you know, I grew up in Phoenix. I'm the six of eight kids. Um, I'm actually fourth generation Arizona. And uh, so my family on the Spanish side goes back to uh, 1906 uh, up in Jerome, moving moving here following the, the big earthquake in San Francisco and so forth. And, and the Spaniard side of the family getting settled there on the side of that hill. So um, love the roots that we have here in Arizona. And uh, grow, growing up here, attending Catholic schools, um, you know, was a really good experience for me in terms of my formation. I think that taught me things that were reinforced, you know, certainly at home, but at school. Um, and for me, I'd say, you know, the experience for me formatively uh, when I was at Brophy uh, in, the, in the mid 80s was, was a really powerful experience for me. You know, Brophy hangs on to the men for others okay. mantra. It's really the, the Jesuit way, men and women for others. Uh, and that, I think, left a, a big mark on me. So there were opportunities for me to step into leadership around social issues. Um, I got involved in starting a club over there called the Social Action Committee and really um, committing to work to educate our peers on campus about key social issues, how they tied to the gospel and how they're really relevant and important for us. Everything from respect for the unborn to respect for immigrants, migrants, um, refugees to, at the time, we were, we were doing a lot of work with Amnesty International and just things like that. But, you know, on a teenage level, um, you know, you want to go and set the world on fire kind of thing, right? And that maybe got me some directions and start. So I did lead Brophy uh, with a sense of call uh, and actually um, raised my right hand and entered the U.S. Navy. I took, uh, took uh, four years at the Naval Academy and became a surface warfare officer in the fleet. I did that for seven years was real active in my faith at that time. And, and again, it's interesting because the Navy sends you around the world. And so there's a, a real gospel sense of that too, that, that, you know, as a Catholic, as a Christian leader in the fleet, you have the opportunity to really live and, and witness the gospel to people all over the place and just the way you carry out your job. So I think that was something I took very seriously in my oath. And it was a really positive experience. Ultimately, after a couple of sea tours, I landed ashore in Guam uh, and had the opportunity with my wife to get involved with the local community there. We were only on the island a, a short while, and um, we learned about a, a pro-life march that was going to be going on. They were basically going to be praying at some abortion clinics. It was a small little island, uh, 30 miles long, 160,000 people, mostly Catholic, 
but three abortion clinics and no health centers. So my wife and I got involved as we started learning the lay of the land and recognized, hey, you know, we're, we, we, we speak as church about respecting life and supporting women, but we weren't really doing anything at the time. And so we, we got behind an effort uh, with the locals to establish the General Refuge Crisis Pregnancy Center. Real pivotal time in my life, because again, I was serving the Navy, um, but had this wonderful job working for the church, basically, for the Archbishop over there as his pro-life activities director, just kind of a side thing, you know, as a volunteer. And that experience of, of maybe bringing leadership into the space of church and mission community was one that was also very formative for me. And ultimately, as much as I love the Navy, and I love serving in the Navy, my son is in the Navy right now, uh, following similar footsteps. But um, it was ultimately time to hang it up with a sense of call from God to go and serve in the church and, and maybe bring my leadership and, and skills into the church. So that was 1999 that I resigned uh, my commission and uh, went off, got my theology degree at the John Paul II Institute and have been really involved in social issues working in the church ever since. So Catholic Charities is just a beautiful place for me that brings together the opportunity to um, to leverage hopefully some good leadership skills and and uh, certain gifts that God's given me with, you know, with this mission that's deep in my heart towards vulnerable individuals, families, and so forth. The least of our brothers and sisters is it's said in the gospel. Um, it's a real privilege to get out of bed in the morning and work with a motivated team, work with parishes like St. Pat's that share these convictions that the gospel is not just what we believe, it's lived in, in what we do and how we see Christ in other people. I think when you're a part of such a big organization as Catholic Charities or the United States Navy, and by the way, I'm from a proud Navy family. Thank you so much for your service. Good man. Thank you, sir. My, my dad was a submariner, though, so he didn't see a whole lot of light in, uh, uh, he, in the ports he went he to. Called, he would have called me a target. I was up on a okay. ship. So, yeah, exactly. That's so, um, I think I think leadership in those kinds of organizations, you really put a premium on culture the culture of uh, an organizational health of the people that you work with makes such a huge difference. Can you talk about your, your co-laborers at Catholic Charities? What inspires you about the people you work with every day? Yeah, I love that. Um, so, you know, real quick reference back to, to Navy and military in general is you have a real clear sense of mission. Uh, you know, we design ships and, and aircraft and all sorts of, you know, platforms uh, with a, a specific mission. So, you know, what's the purpose of this vessel? Um, and then you, you basically populate it with the right people for the right equipment and the, the right uh, things you need on board to accomplish that mission. And, and it's very laser focused, you can say. Um, and I think that's one of those things here, right? Sometimes it gets a little murky when people uh, talk about serving in the church. It's, you know, well, how do I, you know, I know I'm supposed to love, but what does that look like? Um, I love the sense of mission we have at Catholic Charities. You know, beginning with our mission statement of helping our communities most vulnerable with solutions that permanently improve lives. We're, we're meeting people where they are, and oftentimes where they are is in crisis, they're vulnerable, they're at risk. Uh, number one, we get them safe, uh, we get them stable, and ideally with time, you know, permanent solutions, we get them thriving. And we get to see that it, a lot of times. It's pretty exciting to kind of see people make that journey and accompany with them on the journey. Uh, like Francis likes to talk about accompaniment, right? Um, it's, a, it's a really powerful model that we have here. So the sense of mission is really something that unites us. We are really serious about it at Catholic Charities. So everybody that comes on the team understands, you know, what we're doing here, our big why, you know, why we do this in the first place. <clears throat> we see ourselves as God's agency. 
We really do. Um, you know, this faith-based mission, our Catholic identity, we really, it's interesting because we, we have a very diverse team. Uh, we have folks that are certainly Catholics. We have folks that are Christian and really deep in their faith. Um, we have folks of other faith that come and serve with us. And we have folks that may not have a real active relationship with God, but they have a sense of, of wanting to, I like to say, restore the, the wrongs, right, uh, of the world and so forth and address the injustices that are out there. And what I love about what we've been doing here at Catholic Charities is we create a space for everybody to come with us. But the criterion is you got to be passionate about what we're doing. You got to love our mission. Really, you got to you got to wake up and want to do this and feel called to do it. Uh, that's that to me is is a litmus test. If you want people that are really good in their performance, but they've got to be passionate about what we do. And so that really helps us, I think, uh, uh, get excited about what we do, uh, recognize the potential that we bring to the community when Catholic Charities and our team is involved. Um, our little tagline is, you know, where miracles happen every day. And, and you do, you, you, you um, get the sense as you hear these stories across so much geography, so many programs that we do, that there really are miracles happening every day because we are with somebody, we're journeying with them. And by the way, it's not just their lives that are changing. Truly, we're being changed in the process we like to talk about the spirit of the Good Samaritan here in that same regard that, um, you know, sometimes a person at the side of the road or, you know, in our world, the person that's living under a bridge and everything they own is in a shopping cart. Um, a lot of times we get the mentality in this line of work of, well, I have and you need. So that becomes the basis of a relationship, very transactional. And it's not, you know, it's not bad. You, you want to help somebody. There's something beautiful about that. But it's more powerful and it's more true when you recognize that that person, who everything they have is in a shopping cart, right, actually has something for us. Right. And something that we miss a lot. And what they really truly have for us is, is the power of showing the gift and the power of vulnerability. Because that is really truly who we are as persons. We rely on others. Sometimes we tend to, the ones with the means and the resources and, uh, you know, comfortable life and a good house and a family and so forth. Sometimes we tend to, to think about, you know, well, I'm blessed and I want to pay for it. We can also lose, though, a sense of how utterly dependent we are on God. The guy with everything in the shopping cart has a real profound sense of his dependence on others. And if you get in conversations with these people, um, a lot of times the, the, the strength of their faith, the depth of their faith is phenomenal. They have so much to give to us. And so the point is, wow, there's so much in this dynamic relationship that we're entering into. And if we really serve in the spirit of the Good Samaritan, we're going to receive the gift that each person that we serve has for us, right? So it's not just a profession. We've got great professional social workers here. We have wonderful, talented individuals across the spectrum. But at the end of the day, we're all people working and serving other people, our brothers and sisters, right? Children of the same father. So um, it's powerful if you step into that reality. And I think Catholic Charities gives you the chance to do that, where you can bring your professional skills to the table, but be united in this beautiful mission and come to a deeper understanding of your own relationship with God and with others. And that's, I don't know, I think that's such a gift to be able to do that. You know, as I say, get out of bed in the morning and be able to do that with your life. How special. Sure. And, and you know, when, when you speak about that interaction, that it really brings to mind St. Paul talking about the wholeness of the body of Christ being many parts and one body. And I, I think it's true that sometimes people with what you would call means can sometimes become transactional. And, and like, this is a one way I am giving 
and and certainly charity is important, but to always balance that out with justice and interaction and wholeness in, in the relationship, right relationships, what we're talking about, which is uh, for the health of the entire body, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's a, it's a great shout out too to St. Pat's when you think about how you guys, um, you know, you, you can write checks and that's important, right? People are writing checks and they're supporting Catholic charities in St. Vincent de Paul and other really good missions uh, that you all have adopted at your parish. Um, it's awesome. But I love that you um, also take the step further to really get into relationships and to engage with the people that you serve. So, you know, it's it's pretty powerful when you actually have contact with the individuals and you, and you take that next step forward. I love that you do that. I think that's what really missionary disciples do. Um, and everybody does find a role. For some folks, it's it's cooking in the kitchen. For some folks, it's serving the meals. Uh, some it's actually walking with the people that you serve. Uh, and people are financially underwriting this stuff. So it's, it's everybody coming together really powerfully. But um, I love that the mission doesn't end there either, that it really is about that encounter. Um, and again, I think that's a powerful testament to how, how you guys are, are trying to live the gospel at St. Pat's. Right. And since speaking of mission, in this time, sometimes there can be a perception that, well, the world has come to a screeching halt. But the mission hasn't because vulnerability hasn't you know, for, for migrants, for unaccompanied minors, for the homeless, for, for any variety of vulnerable people, they're still vulnerable and maybe even more so during this time. So I, I was hoping that you could maybe talk about how Catholic Charities is now positioned to still respond during this very difficult time to, um, to reach out for other people to be involved. How, how can you still serve during these circumstances? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, there obviously, you know, there was need to begin with, and there always is need. And, you know, Jesus says the poor you will always have with you. And in a certain sense, right, that's a beautiful reminder of, again, what we were getting to earlier around vulnerability. You know, if you sort of solve all the problems, you can get to a sense of, uh, oh, I guess we got it figured out. We don't really need any outside actors to get in here, right? Um, but, but the poor you will always have with you reminds you that there's always this mission that's before you, right, of going out and finding and serving and, and loving. Um, so, so that being said, there was a lot of need before we stepped into the pandemic. Um, obviously, it's really, really put a lot of stress and strain on the system because the individuals that we're talking about, um, you know, they've got a lot going on. You now throw the health and wellness factors into this thing and, and you know, the reality of, of um, even showing up at your shelter uh, with, with fear of COVID, right? you might take it for granted because you've got a safe bed, you got germ stuff and you got things you can kind of do, wash your clothes, take showers, uh, stay kind of hygienic. You think about the person that doesn't have that opportunity and they're living in a park bench or something like that. Um, we've got people that are downtown of the human service uh, uh, campus. We've got folks in our Mana house, for example, our veteran shelter or my sister's place or our Catholic Church domestic violence shelter. We've got family shelters up north, a new shelter. We can't even open up in Bullhead city, which is waiting to serve people. But it's so difficult to bring people under one roof right now without a lot of risk. So that's a pretty remarkable situation to be in uh, where we can't necessarily even optimize the resources we have because of the health concerns and need to keep on top of it. I think uh, we, we see real connections between, you know, um, health and housing. If people have um, stable housing, right, they can afford to live where they live. A lot of good things come from that. You know, you just think about, um, how kids are educated, for example, if they're uh, if the lights stay on and they've got the same kind of you know stable structure there, they're not 
um, living out of the back of a car or again on a park bench or some other thing like that, you know, education works better. Health outcomes are, are way better. And there's just so much stability in the system. Right now, what we're really seeing is what's already a demand on affordable housing. It's getting more expensive to live in Phoenix. It's always been expensive to live up in Northern Arizona. I mean, it's getting a little more so. Um, but those resources are really tapped out. Uh, we're trying to build more, more um, inventory. I was just touring uh, some more of our Catholic charities building projects yesterday, as a matter of fact. And, and it's exciting, but we can't keep up with the demand. So the reality is there are people right now that are going to fall behind the mortgage payments because they're out of a job because of COVID and the whole supply chain and how logistically this has all worked out. You got people that are just out of work. You work in a gym, you work in a movie theater, you work in a lot of stores, a lot of restaurants, and it's just down, right? So you have strain on you. You can't keep up with your rent. Um, what's going to start happening come October when these eviction notices are lifted? That's going to be probably a pretty serious wave because when, when you fall down, when you're already having a hard time keeping up with rent as it is, and you fall back a month, I mean, it's good we're not evicting people, but the reality is people are going to be way behind, and probably a lot of them are not going to be able to get a way out of this. So what's going to happen months down the road when you start putting people out that used to have stable housing and don't anymore? That's going to create a lot of problems. Um, I mean, it just is, and we're trying to prepare for that, but I think like everybody we just don't know how big of a problem, how big of a wave we're going to be facing with this. And then we know it's going to be massive and we know we're going to be uh, relying on a lot of community resources, a lot of relationships in place to try and get there. How do parishioners help you with the mission during a time like this? Um, well, first of all, love for people to know, you know, who Catholic Charities is, what we're all about. We are the charitable service arm of the church. I'm going to move my arm to keep my motion detector going here. <laughs> Um, but, you know, as the social service arm of the church, we really represent um, the practice of the social teaching, the practice of the works of, you know, you think of the corporal works of mercy, for example, and our agency really encapsulates, uh, encapsulates that. So it's, um, it's important for, for folks at the parish level to understand, hey, uh, we've got a beautiful, vibrant, robust program here, uh, Catholic Charities, that works to, to advance the social gospel, to, to serve the needs of the community. Uh, particularly the most vulnerable, right? This option for the poor that we hear about in our Catholic social teachings. I think it's important for parishioners to know that. It's important for you to know also, um, you, you might need services that we offer. I mean, it's interesting because some people come to us with some significant needs in their life and, and Catholic charities have resources to uh, support them. You have folks that want to build a family and they want to get into foster care. That might not be the same kind of need that you might have with somebody that needs to have a shelter tonight, a place to live, and to be safe, but it's a it's a beautiful need that we fulfill, right? And so our foster care program, for example, of bringing uh, folks into um, to become foster parents, we, we love that. So I love for folks at the parish level to know about the range of services that we offer, the programs that we have, because you may need them yourself. You may want to draw some of those. You may have folks that um, uh, maybe there are folks that do services in your own community. It might be folks just in contact uh, that you have. Um, and it would be great for you to know the references that are there for them, uh, the resources. So that's that's number one. I think it's great to know that um, we're inviting people to live out their faith in really meaningful ways. You mentioned St. Paul and members of the body. I really love that imagery because uh, you think about the Gospels themselves and where people have specific calls to serve. In our Catholic Charities portfolio, you've got diversity such as um, refugees and immigrants, and programs serving veterans. And 
those groups may not necessarily, the people that kind of get behind those issues may not necessarily be folks that would go have coffee together uh, necessarily, right? Um, and yet there's these entry points within the Catholic Charities uh, family for folks to kind of come and recognize we are all actually under the same roof. You know, uh, hey, I'm in favor of our veterans and I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a law and order guy and I love what these guys and gals do for our country. And they're in there and they want to support our manor house people because they feel maybe that, that they're, and maybe they wouldn't necessarily um, uh, jump into action around refugee issues or immigrant issues. But when you start realizing we are all connected in this and it's something that drives us, I think there's opportunities, right? For us to get witness to each other. And instead of compartmentalizing and putting people in boxes with labels on, which our society does a lot of that, it's starting to call people out of the box and out of the label and recognize, um, I've got a role to, to serve here and you're doing the same. We're united in that. So I, I think Catholic Charities has that beautiful way of being able to call people in solidarity with each other and with those that we serve. That's very powerful. It's great for a parish to know that. And of course, the resources, you know, we don't do this without, without resources. So it's awesome that people think about us in, in different ways of, hey, when they have a cause that they're excited about, passionate about, come and volunteer, maybe support it financially, just get involved, get educated. And there's ways you can do that. We offer things like our agency overviews um, that invite people to tune in online. Right now we're doing them all virtually, but you know, in one hour's time, you could learn an amazing amount of, of uh, information about what's happening in your community. Probably a lot of things you didn't know that are opportunities to serve. So I'd invite you to, to join a Catholic Charities Agency Overview. I think our next one is September 18th. Uh, so those nice. are a couple of things, Brian, that helps. You are you are in the relationship business. And I, I just want to hear what's something that has touched the heart of Paul Mulligan, a story from your time at Catholic Charities that you would point to as a real success that moved you and um, that you were able to experience. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, because there are so many stories. Um, I would say, hmm, I guess I'll, I'll, tell, I'll take one right off the bat. So in foster care, uh, foster care is kind of an interesting social issue. If you want to kind of put things, you know, people generally tend to put things, um, you know, into certain camps. And there's things that may tend to get more conservative support, things that may tend to get more liberal support. I, I don't like thinking in those terms, because I think that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. It just sort of cuts both ways. Jesus is always challenging, no matter where you are on that spectrum, whether you're a conservative or liberal, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whoever you are. Like yeah, all the if you're paying attention, Jesus makes problems for you. <laughs> wherever yeah. you are. Yeah, we, we've, we've allowed ourselves, unfortunately, to fall into these things. Well, well, if you're a Republican, then these are your issues. If you're a right. Democrat, these are your issues. And the reality is that they've kind of divided and conquered in that in that approach. Um, we've allowed this polarity to happen. The same polarity you see in the culture, of course, uh, is in many ways it's there in the church. So I think we always have to be aware of that. I love foster care um, for a number of reasons, but, but one is it's an issue that has largely been ignored. And you think about um, really the plight of a child who kind of out of no you know, they have no control of their situation. They're born into the situation they're born into. Um, and they've got a really tough road ahead. Maybe you've got, um, uh, you know, a, you were born addicted to drugs because your, your mother was a user. Uh, or you're, you know, rolling into a single family home, a very broken home uh, with a lot of challenges. Um, you know, neglect is about 85% of foster care removals are due to neglect. 
and it's just you know what you would call really neglectful parenting. You know, people that just aren't really on top of what it, what the needs are, your basic needs, health, hygiene, wellness, shelter, security of their kids. Well, the kids didn't ask for that, but that's what they got. I mean, I was you could say I won the lottery. I mean, my my parents are wonderful people. Uh, I was born, as I say, six of eight kids, but into a loving home, a loving family. I had opportunities. Uh, and in foster care, you, we're dealing with so many kids that have right off the bat, just have a very steep hill to climb. And they don't necessarily have anybody rallying around them uh, because it isn't really an issue that's been grabbed onto by you know one camp or the other. It's kind of, you could actually call it an orphaned issue, right? Um, so I love the stories that happen around foster care because you see this you see this life going down a certain path and it, and it looks kind of hopeless. And then you see, you know, maybe a family that gets involved and opens the door and a child starts getting kind of a whole new opportunity in this world. And that family is experiencing, you know, the love of a child as well. It's such a beautiful thing because everybody is winning. Everybody wins in this one. And, you know, even the, the biological parents, um, gosh, people that are, you know, dealing with the demons of addiction, again, go back to labels, people, oh, what terrible parents, oh, what this and that. I can't imagine what it must be like. That life is so bad. You're so addicted to, to a substance that even having your own children taken away from you isn't the bottom. I can't imagine that. But we, we deal with families that are in these situations. So, I love that we work to try and prevent those situations from happening in the first place. We try and blitz in these families that are that are dealing with challenges in a program we call in-home support and so forth. We do those things, but where it's going to end up being, you know, a, a, a removal of a child and so forth, we're there too. And we're working with those foster families, bringing people in that have love to share and love to give and children that, you know, goodness, the longer they're in the system, the harder they are to place for adoption but unreal to see the kind of stories that come out of that. So I know maybe you were thinking about a specific one, but I mean, that whole area, when I spend time with foster families, um, I'm just kind of blown away by the love in the room. I go to these Christmas parties with these people. It's incredible. Um, maybe just to make it personal, one story that I had uh, up in Prescott with a, um, a really tough rancher family that was, um, you know, that had taken some, some kids and they basically ran a ranch. And these boys that they would bring in were coming. These are teenage boys that have been in the system for a long time. So they're, they're tough kids and um, they've been pretty hardened by life. And here's this rancher and his wife that stepped in and they were working with these tough situations. And uh, I was visiting with these guys, in, you know, at this Christmas party. And um, you could tell the guys that had been in this family longer. <laughs> there was a lot of yes, sir, a lot of no, sir. Uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And they were, they were good kids. You could tell uh, that they had really been kind of transformed with, with work and so forth. But there was this one, one youngster that had been with them for six weeks. And he was speaking lovingly about dad. He kept talking about dad. And this was a kid that was about 14 years old with a crappy life behind him. Uh, and now a totally new beginning. And I mean, as I was sitting there visiting with this kid, it was just like, it's hard not to cry. To just see, you know, this guy actually has family now, and family is going to make the difference for this kid, you know, going forward. He knows he's lovable, and he knows he's loved, and those are things that for the first 14 years in his life he had no clue, he had no experience of that. So that's very powerful. 
and God bless our, our foster families and our foster kids and the, uh, the bio moms and dads that we're trying to help, you know, navigate this thing. It's really tough, but there's a, there's a beautiful life-changing area for you. I think sometimes when you're looking at the enormity of some of the issues, for example, foster care in Arizona, it can be despairing and maybe even sometimes paralyzing. Like you feel like you're trying to bail out the ocean with a bucket, but then you yeah. have an encounter, right? And, and you come to understand that maybe, okay, I can't change the whole world, right? But if you change the life of one child, one vulnerable person, uh, one homeless person, um, even yourself, you change that whole world, that person's whole world. So that encounter gave that gift to you. And what an amazing gift to be able to be there to experience just yeah. the impact that one family can make in, in a kid's whole world and then multiply that out. And that's what yeah. Catholic is that young man's going to probably eventually be a father someday himself. And so that transformative experience that he had of being taken in, you know, and, and loved and so forth and, yeah. and what that means for generations potentially to come. It's very powerful. It's yeah. awesome. I think also, you know, like you, you gave, make a great point there about, um, you know, the despair, because at a certain level, if you just look at the quote issues, there's a lot to despair about. Right. I mean, there's just a lot of things that you can look at the trends and say, oh, this is terrible. This is all going the wrong direction, et cetera. You could really just not want to get out of bed in the morning if you kind of right. think of it that way. But I, I think it's always important, right? Uh, the issues really are important. We need to fight for issues. We need to we need to rally around those important issues, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's people. It's it's persons made in the image and likeness of God. And so that's where I think it's like the, the parallel to Jesus, um, the peace that he gives, it's not of this world. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not like Jesus gives peace and then the world just all falls into order. It's like, no, it's peace in the midst of all this turmoil and tumult, um, that that's what he's offering. And what you're describing there, you know, is, is, it kind of feeds into that, right? It's, it's that, uh, uh, well, there's a lot of cause to despair, but when you really focus on the person and not the issue and you see the image and likeness of God there, the opportunity to serve, the opportunity to go outside yourself, the opportunity to be loved by that person, it's, it's just really powerful and life-changing and transformative. And, you know, suddenly the storm all around us is kind of, you know, we sort of, we find ourselves really here in this moment instead. And all through scripture, God is taking small gifts and multiplying them. So whatever gift that we have to give of ourselves is not insufficient in the hands of God. You know, yeah. if we salvation God. has come to this house today, right? It's, yep. Okay. It's so now if, if Paul Mulligan is dreaming big with a lot of joy what, what, what are the big dreams for Catholic Charities moving forward? Well, hey, I've, I've been here for six years. What a fine agency. With um, We're going to be celebrating our 87th anniversary here in September. September for us is Catholic Charities Awareness Month. So we, we'd like to take that month of September and really reintroduce um, our agency to people. We were founded in 1933, as you mentioned. So we go way back to the Great Depression. Our first hire here was a child welfare worker. Uh, and they were working with kind of, you know, unruly kids, street kids, that, that was the first area. Well, we still continue to do all this work in child welfare, a huge, massive Head Start program that we operate for low-income kids uh, throughout the West Valley. And so we haven't strayed far from our roots in that sense, but we've also stepped into the large arena of what are the social needs of our day. Um, I, I guess I'm excited to think about um, how, first of all, I think we've just become more alive in our faith in, in making the connections. Um, I know when I got here six years ago, you could almost say there was a, a tension that existed between, you know, how do you do the work that we do? And by the way, you know, if you're going to work with refugees, if you're going to work with foster, foster kids, 
um, you're going to be doing government contracts. That's the way you do that work. I mean, the, the U.S. government just doesn't give you refugees to resettle because you're a nice guy. Um, you've got to have a reputable program. You've got to go and win these contracts. And we win contracts at Catholic Charities because the honest answer is we're really good at what we do. We've got great professionals. We've got great culture here, et cetera. But I think um, sometimes people get into the either or thing of, well, you're either going to accept government money or you're going to be a faith-based organization. Which one are you? And maybe for quite a while, we had answered that question, you know, largely we're going to focus on the government money and serve people that way. Well, I think that's kind of a false choice. And I think we've been able to show um, over these, especially these recent years, just, yeah, we can we can take government funds and meet the high standards uh, that may be put upon us at, at the government contract level, but that's because we meet even higher standards that are put on us by our faith. And uh, so it's beautiful. We are not going to ever be in a situation or allow ourselves to be put in a situation where we have to, a conflict between what our values are and what the government wants us to do. And I could give you examples of cases where we've simply walked away uh, and said, well, I guess we can no longer serve in this way. We're going to have to find another way to serve this population, but not this way. Uh, so we're really clear on who we are and what it means to be faith-based. I think I'm excited because as we're finding a lot more of, you know, I'd say becoming who we are as a faith-based organization is one that's uh, really diverse and in a beautiful, I think, St. Paul members of the body kind of way. Uh, wow, there's a lot of potential that seems to be getting unlocked here. Uh, one is we've created entry points for people to come into to the agency and engage their own faith in ways that we hadn't before. So volunteering, community engagement, we're doing just great work. So many parishes that, that are starting to recognize, oh, hey, a partnership with Catholic Charities is a way for our parishioners to take their Sunday faith and worship and put it into action Monday through Saturday as well. Find that happy home in some special calling that you feel God has placed in your heart. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that happen, to see parishes get more engaged and, and just doors and possibilities open. So I love that. I think there's just a lot more potential as we go forward there. You know, and in terms of, um, you know, looking ahead over the next decades and so forth, well, I think as we become more of a of a well-known and respected entity. And again, the work that's been done for decades is phenomenal. We're just standing on the shoulders of some giants over here that have been, you know, took up this cause in 1933 and just never stopped with the foot of the gas pedal. But it's beautiful to kind of think of the synergy that's happening as we, um, I think, get more focused on how we're God's agency, how people here on the inside of Catholic Charities are also growing in their faith. It's just, um, it's a beautiful sort of, um, um, way that we've established to engage people outside the agency by how we engage people inside the agency. So I think there's just a lot of potential we can't see yet, but we're getting stronger. We're making some smart business decisions. We're all over our strategic plans. Uh, I mean, we're just on track with these things. We're, we're stepping into this affordable housing space. I mentioned that earlier in this talk, um, you know, which is a growing demand. Arizona's got a massive demand for housing. People are coming from a lot of different places. And, and I'm reading more about this, how in the virtual environment, people are recognizing, you know, I don't actually have to go to work anymore. So I was paying exorbitant rents in San Francisco to work for a San Francisco company. I can go live in affordable Phoenix, Arizona and work in my San Francisco company. And that's happening more and more, which is putting a lot of strain on our market. The growth is, of course, off the charts here, but that means it's getting hard to afford a place to live. So we're putting a lot of resources into that space. We're tapping into government private sources to do that. Uh, but as we do that and we get better at this, we're also strengthening our agency and just positioning ourselves for the long term. You know, we just just a, a more asset rich agency that's going to be able to withstand the future COVID-19s that are coming that we don't know about. 
Um, I just like the resilience that we've been showing through the COVID-19. I think it's been a good test, but if I have two words for the state of the agency, it's strong and it's resilient. And, and that's not our own doing. I think God is really doing some special things with the agency, with the people here. Um, so I am truly excited about kind of how the future holds as, as we become more of a household name and as we're in more uh, the ability to serve more people, it's just, you know, it's a real convening type thing that happens at the agency like this. Paul Mulligan, CEO of Catholic Charities Community Services. Thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation and may God continue to bless your mission as you move forward in our community. Really appreciate it, Paul. Thanks Brian, so thank much. you. And thank all of you, St. Pat's. Uh, God bless you all. Just amazing work. And we just, we are really inspired by the witness you all give. Truly, I just think uh, your parish in particular one that just shows how it's supposed to be done. So thanks for giving us all a great example. God bless you. Thanks, Paul. This has been The Conversation with St. Patrick's Studio, and we'll see you next time.